Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. Yes, Father, thank you, Jesus. Y'all may be seated. Let's go to Galatians in chapter 1, but we're going to take a little jump here. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 11. Somebody holler amen when you get there. Amen. You ain't there yet. I guess because you're married to the pastor, I guess you got an inside track, don't you? <laughs> God has been really on me about who he is in me. If I'm having a bad day, I have every right in the world to treat people like snot, right? No? Well, come on, that's my feelings, and my feelings are legitimate. Not going to work. But I'm suffering, and I'm having a rough day because it's hot outside. And Jesus said we can suffer, right? Yeah. But, you know, what did he say about how we were supposed to suffer? So if I'm suffering, I have every right in the world to make everybody around me suffer, right? So that's what God's been beating me up about. Give it all joy. What does my suffering have to do? What does the way that the world is going, what does the way that Christians are being treated, what does that have to do with the glory of God? Because when we persevere what we go through in a godly way, people around us that see us suffering, we might get a healing in our prayer, but we might not get a healing in our prayer. And I truly believe that when we pray for something and it's not exactly the answer that we want, that it is always the answer that we need. Because there might be somebody else in our life that is watching us suffer and wants to see how we react. And when we give all the glory to God, what do they see? They see the power that the Holy Ghost has in my life. They see what my spirit goes through, and they see how my spirit... JR said this morning, I had to argue with him just a little bit about our, our, it's always a struggle between our spirit and our flesh. And I'm going to tell you right now that God can strengthen your spirit so much that it can make your flesh its slave. Because I'm going to tell you something. If a man who used to weigh 400 pounds can tame his flesh and make his flesh obedient to where he is now, got great big guns and all big chest and stuff like that, he is training his flesh because it is within him to be dedicated enough to what he has. I will tell you something right now that's probably going to make everybody in here look at me like I'm crazy, and I'm going to have all kinds of comments on a video on this. If the Christian, if, I'm going to say this, if the people in this country that say they follow Christ would be half as devout as what the people that they consider their enemy, which are the Muslims, if the, if the if Christian people were half as devout and, ha and did half the things the right way like the Muslim people do, there, was no there is nothing that God's people couldn't get accomplished. The whole point is, is God's people have been taught to take the easy way out. Then maybe the desert's not all that bad of a place to be. I think I think they might have said that. Put us back, send us back to Egypt. Send us back. If life is going to be this hard, then I'll just go back to where I started from. Man, I don't want to miss out on what's up there, just because there's some things in there that I don't know about. 
But what God had already told them is, I have already supplied the victory. All you have to do is cross the river. And a lot of us need to really get that. A lot of us need to already have that in our spirit. We just need to get our minds to understand it. That no matter what the future looks like, God has already laid out your victory. All you have to do is walk across that river and get into it. But anybody remember what happened when they were taking the ark across the river? God said, don't touch it. It almost fell. Somebody touched it just trying to keep it from falling in the water. He was dead instantly. What does that tell you about how much God's word changes to fit your personal relationship? God is God. He's always going to be God. If God says don't because it'll kill you if you do it, if you do it, it's going to kill you. I have to believe that in my soul. When he told Adam and Eve, if you drink of this, you will, be, you will surely die. That's because before they brought sin into the world, there was no death. Physical death was a thing that nobody knew about. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't accept Christ in your life and don't start living the way God wants you to, you will surely die. If you accept Christ into your heart and live the way God wants you to live, and here's the word everybody hates, and be obedient to his word, you will live forever in eternity. Amen. Nowhere in those scriptures does it mention your flesh. It never mentioned Adam and Eve's flesh. Body death is for certain. Spiritual death is your choice. You have a choice. You think God doesn't love us for who we are? Anybody ever wonder what would happen to Lucifer if he repented and decided to go back to God and beg for forgiveness? We serve a loving God. But see, here's what Jesus, well, here's what Satan did. Satan denied God. Satan thought he was as good as God. If somebody's going to get praise, I might as well get it. Doesn't work that way. So if he if if God will kick one of the most beautiful beings ever created out of heaven for not being obedient, what's he going to do to us for not being obedient? The angels didn't have a choice but to worship God. That is why our worship game should be the strongest in the universe. So, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. Boom, you're dismissed. That's This is not something that came just from one man's idea, which ought to tell you a lot about some other religions. Most other religions that Christianity or following Jesus Christ is in competition with in this world today is made up by a man who didn't like what he read in here. I can't live my life that way, man. I got to have nine wives i got to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it, so I'm going to write my own book and see how many people I can fool into following me. You want to take a bet on how much of them had to do with money at first? So, we know that the Word of God was not made up by man. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it, praise God. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have been on the road to Damascus and had Jesus reveal something to you? Come on. 
For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. What is Paul telling us right there? He's telling us, you know how bad of a man I was. And all it took, here we go, are you ready? Paul didn't pray to God. Paul didn't ask for forgiveness. Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He listened to what Christ had to say. And Christ told him, you're going to be blind until you agree in your spirit that you will see the way I want you to see. Come on, folks. How many? It, Paul was trying to literally destroy the church of God. Where does that put us? Is, come on. If, if Paul can be the man he was, you're going to tell me, Pastor, I've done too many things for God to ever forgive? God took a murderer of the Christian people, a destroyer of his own church, and said, if I can take this man and just make him see what can I do with the rest of the world. So if Paul, or Saul, I guess I should say, if Saul can be killed off and Paul be reborn, what can he do in our lives? How many people in here have chased down Christians and slaughtered them or took them and hung them? No? If Paul can be used by Christ, I mean, come on. Two-thirds of the Bible that we know was laid down by a man who used to kill Christians. You tell me God doesn't change you? You tell me that Christ's blood on you doesn't affect you? You tell me that the Holy Spirit talking to you doesn't make you realize where you need to go? Come on, man. If some of you have been on the road to Damascus and you're still having trouble, man, come on. It's not the first time I've driven a road twice. Some of you need to get back on that road to Damascus. Sometimes I have to get back on the road to Damascus. And I'll drive down that road, and I'll look over there, and i say, man, this is where it happened the last time. Maybe he'll hit me again with it this time. You know what? He usually doesn't hit me at that point because I didn't learn at this point. Sometimes he lets me get a little deeper in my funk before he'll bring me out of it just so I'll know in here that I'm never going to get too deep for my God to reach down and grab me. They said they never did say how far Peter was from Jesus at the boat. They said, but as soon as he went underwater, Christ was right there to bring him out. It don't matter how far we drag ourselves over in the muck. God, we are but that close to being yanked out of it by Christ himself. All we have to do is get out of the boat. All we have to do is get out of the boat and recognize Christ. Recognize Christ in your life and pursue him. John was a great man. Jesus loved him. And John was very good at recognizing Christ. But Peter pursued him. Peter chased him over the side of the boat. Peter walked on water for him. When Jesus was standing on the shore and he says, you guys come here, I got to talk to y'all. John said, that's Jesus. And Peter took off his stuff and bailed off in the water. How many of us would have stood on the boat and said, man, John, you sure that's Jesus? That water's cold, bro. And I just had these drawers cleaned. I don't know if I'm going to jump in this dirty water or not. 
People this morning were worried about whether or not we were going to get that trough out there clean enough to do baptize, baptize some people. Y'all are really going to hate it this summer when we go to the lake and baptize people. They baptize most Christians in the Jordan River. You know what that river looks like? I don't want to dunk in that thing. I might get some of it in my mouth. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe our baptism water didn't get in our mouth and didn't rinse that stuff out. Maybe we ought to start gargling. Get some, we'll get some baptism water in here and start gargling with it. Maybe it'll clean us up. I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. How many in here chase those traditions of your fathers? Where I'm from, we call those family curses. I can, I know I'm an alcoholic, but that gummit, my daddy was an alcoholic and so was my grandfather. So explain to me why my dad went to church more than I did. Explain to me how my dad quit drinking before I did. There's only a family curse if you let it continue. There's only family addiction if you let it continue. There's only family abuse if you let it continue. There's only certain things that will go on in your life when you let it continue. When all you have to do is learn how to throw your hands up, give up to God and holler, Jesus, I need you. We serve the only God ever worshipped by any being anywhere that reaches for us instead of us having to reach for Him. How are we going to ignore that? He laid down his life for me. I can't tell my brothers in the flesh no when they call upon me to help. Why can I not do what my God calls upon me to do? He gave his child for me. I don't have a brother on this earth living that gave, ever gave up one of their kids for me. I ain't killing my kid for nothing. Well, I don't know. The way they act sometimes, I think it'd be, you know, God, you sure you don't want Abraham this one? We can, I can... I can tote them up the hill. <laughs> Get this wood, boy. <laughs> but it ain't going to happen. You want to know why? Because I kind of, me and my stepdad kind of showed each other how much we loved each other one stitch at a time. And God took that out of me when it came to discipline my kids. Of course, I had girls, and they're terrible. Raising girls is so much harder than raising boys. And I know most moms in here that raise boys would disagree with me, but little girls, you have to worry about all the little boys. Little boys, you got to worry about one little boy. What do we do when we catch ourselves being more in the world than we are in the Spirit? What do we do when we're on that road to Damascus and we realize that that voice we've had in our head is Jesus calling us, hey, hey, why are you forsaking me? Why well, ain't doing that much bad? Come on, man. All I did was cuss that guy out at the grocery store. You're forsaking Jesus when you do that. You're taking, we take what he has done for us and we only put it toward the big ones. I didn't kill nobody. I didn't go cheat on my wife. I didn't beat my wife. I didn't steal nothing. You know, I mean, I got to be a good enough person to get into heaven. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I'm looking for. I don't want to hear, you made it to heaven, Charlie, but let me see this book. We're going to have to flip. Yeah, I know I'm going to answer for everything that I've ever done. The good thing about it is, is when God says, but in your life you did, whoa, okay, never mind, Jesus is here. What you don't understand is when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, God doesn't even see you anymore. He sees the blood and the spirit of his sacrificed son upon you. And there can be no sin when it comes to God. So if God can actually see you, you don't need to have any sin on you. Make sense? So what happens when we commit? I mean, it was just a little one. All I did was cuss that guy under my breath a little bit. Maybe give him his IQ out the window. I told you all the story about the cop pulling over the little minivan that had the fish sticker on the back of it. Guy cut her off, and she flips him off, and the cop pulls her over, and she says, but I, I'm sorry, I must have lost my... He said, well, no, I was just making sure this van wasn't stolen because nobody with a Christian symbol on the back of their car would be flipping somebody the bird. I knew it wasn't the owner of this van in here because the owner has a public acknowledgement that they will follow what the Holy Spirit says. But there's a middle finger hanging out the window. What's that say about God's people? That it's convenient. Being a Christian nowadays is convenient, man. I don't see any of y'all during the week. I can go do what I want to during the week. Come in here and be a good Christian on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, go home, do what I want to do. You want to know why? Because the church ain't even the church on Monday. You can't just be God's people for an hour and a half on Sunday through two services. Everybody at the American church has got to be the church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. You really need to kick it into gear. God's people don't get a day off from loving their God. God's people don't get a day off from loving on each other. God's people don't get away from the devil tempting them. The closer you get to God, yes, the more a devil you're going to see. And you may not see God. You ever had somebody stand so close to you, you didn't even realize they were there? That's my God. The times when I think, man, he deserted me and I had to do this on my own, or the times when he was so close covering me from all the crap hitting me that I didn't even see him. Look back at your life and tell me whether or not you can see God. The fact that I'm not rotting in a prison cell somewhere along and having to write letters back and forth to my wife in another cell across town somewhere is proof that God can take anyone and take them out of the garbage that they have put themselves into because trust me, society didn't put you in the gutter. Society didn't make you a heroin addict. Society didn't make you a thief. Society didn't make you a murderer. The fact that you are on welfare when you were growing up does not mean that you have to live like hell when you're an adult. Stop using your past as an excuse to be a jerk today. All you, Paul, come on, if anybody has an excuse, it's Paul. Paul was brought up that way. Well, my upbringing just makes me racist. Well, I grew up in a black neighborhood, so I don't like white people. Oh, yeah? Well, I lived over in the Asian neighborhood, and I don't like them either because they used to pick on me all day. It don't matter. 
What was Jesus' number one commandment to us? Mm -hmm. Must not love me very much when I get mad at that neighbor for not cutting their grass. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I love me some me. What if I paid as much attention to how happy God is with me on how, how happy I was trying to make myself? Because we have every right to do that, right? Isn't that our constitutional right to pursue the happiness? That's to nowadays, that's all, that right there is usually the only thing that these young people can tell you about the Constitution is I have the right to the pursuit of happiness. And in the world nowadays, that means go do what you want to do, man. It don't matter. If it feels good, do it. If it feels real good, do it twice. Keep on doing it and blame it on the fact that you were born that way. You have to die to your sin. Don't tell me I'm this way because I can't help it. Paul was that way because he was raised that way. You were that way because you were raised that way. But one encounter with Jesus Christ along the roadway of your life can change it. But you have to be blinded to what the world has to say to you. And your eyes open under the Holy Spirit to where you see things through spiritual eyes, not through worldly eyes. Worldly eyes are blind to the will of God. I want to see things like Jesus sees them. Because even the man who was getting ready to go kill Jesus was forgiven by Jesus. Peter was wafting a sword around in the air, cutting people's ears off and ready to kill everybody in the room to save his Savior or save his teacher from being hauled off. And Jesus told him, hey, man, they've got to do what they've got to do. Because Jesus knew, we can, yeah, we could draw our swords. We kill every one of these soldiers right here. When does it stop? Because he knew that whenever he did something like that, that it stopped being about his ministry and started being about the fact that he was wanted and he couldn't be able to go preach anywhere. Instead, he man, come on. Do you know what the last words of Jesus' greatest sermon were? It is finished. Jesus didn't have to say a word during his greatest sermon. His greatest proof in his greatest world to God's children was the fact that he suffered so we wouldn't have to. You do, I am, here's the thing, guys. I have to die. So here, here's what the part that they don't, get, they don't give you in the, in the word, but God's been just pounding me with it. Jesus had to die so that he could go to hell and fight the battle of our lifetime. And now he holds the keys to that place. And the only and this is the part I want you to get. The only way that you are going there is if you fight God all the way to hell. Because he's going to try. He's, how many of y'all, when y'all were living in a world right in the middle of all your sin, felt like that somebody, now that you look back on it, how many people did God put in your life that if you'd have just paid a little bit more attention to, they would have brought you around to God? Come on, man. Hundreds. Hundreds. My grandmother not included. You can walk in that house my grandmother used to own, and I promise you there is two smooth spots on the bed, beside the bed on that wooden floor where her knees were every night praying for my outlaw hind end. 
She said, you don't know how many times, her and my mother both, you don't know how many times that you've almost given us heart attacks because we hear something coming off the street and we know you were in the middle of it. My mother cried. My grandmother prayed. And man, I, sometimes I got to walk by the edge of my bed and look, wondering, am I wearing enough grooves in, that, in my floor? Can my grandchildren walk in my house and see where I laid down my life for them? Because you can do it. You can lay down your life for others. You take the life that you were living and you lay it down. And you take up the life that God has in store for you and you pick it up. And then you wipe the scales off your eyes and you start back down that road again. Only this time, you've got God's positioning system. GPS. I like it. GPS. You know, global positioning system. That's a God positioning system. And you have to listen to it, man. Because sometimes it'll tell you, make a U-turn. And it tells you, traffic ahead. Rough road in the area. God's going to tell you everything. He's going. Nothing is going to be a surprise. You know how it's not going to be a surprise? Because there's a couple of thousand pages in this book right here that says, I'm going to go through some stuff. I'm going to wander around in a desert. I am going to be persecuted because of my belief in a one and true living God. But how am I supposed to act? It's hard, folks. It's hard when the bills pile up and the sickness comes in and your wife gets sick and you can't do nothing about it or the finances start getting tight and you can't give your wife them pretty things you promised her or you can't give your kids everything that they wanted and you start thinking, and don't tell me you haven't, man, if I could just hit a lick. Woo, baby, I, how many times have I told you that since we've been together? One phone call. One phone call, one good lick, man, and I could have us out of trouble, out of financial trouble, and probably go buy us two new cars and put a down payment on a house. Just one good lick. And my wife says, yeah, but what happens when you're sitting in prison and we ain't got nothing? What does that, but here's the worst part that she hits me with. Yeah, but what does that say about your ministry? Local pastor arrested for now doing 20 years. Here's the thing. Why am I worried about hitting a lick when Christ already hit it? He's hit the biggest lick anybody ever would. He put the enemy on the ropes for eternity. And all the devil can do is stand in his corner, sit on his bench while they fix his, up his battle scars and talk noise at us. That's all he can do. Bible says he runs around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he runs around attacking people like a lion. You can ask my wife. I get mad, yeah, but I ain't nothing but a toothless roaring lion around the house. Sometimes I get happy with God, and I talk to him. Sometimes I get mad at God, and I yell at him. And you know what? He's my daddy. It's okay. I can get upset. I can ask questions. I'm not always going to get the answer I want. But I however, ever going to get the answer that I want? You're all, God's always going same guys and girls, I want you to understand this. All of y'all in here have been around motorcycles most of your lives. What is a saddlebag like? You may not be able to fit everything in a saddlebag you want to take with you on a trip, but you can for sure take everything you need. That's what God's going to do with your life. You may not get everything you want, 
but you're sure going to get everything you need because what you need is the same thing God or Christ had when he walked this earth. You need a direct line with the Father. And the only way to do that is to get your old black heart out of the way and let God put a new one in and let Jesus beat through it because Jesus is the only one who has a direct connection with God. I don't have to go sit in a little room somewhere and tell another man what I've done in my life. I can get down wherever I am and tell my Heavenly Father that I am sorry for betraying Him, that I'm sorry for taking advantage of what His child did for me, and that I want forgiveness and I want Jesus to come not live in my old crusty nasty heart but I want Jesus to come give me a new heart and make my life one of the spirit not one of the flesh and at that point that is when my flesh begins to die and my spirit starts to grow and pretty soon my flesh has to feed off my spirit for sustenance you get what I'm saying Without the Father, we will die on the vine. Without the vine, our spirit cannot live. And without our spirit, our flesh is going to die. But when it all feeds off the other one, in Christ, yes, I'm fixing to say it. Y'all ready? Christ had the relationship that, or did the things that he did on this earth because he put God what? Christ worried about nothing else but what his Father had to say. He didn't worry about what Ken thought. He didn't worry about what Annie thought. He didn't worry about what Nicodemus thought. He didn't worry about what any of them thought. He told them and only told them. <coughs> Sorry. Couldn't get that word out. Only uh, The only things I say is what the Father tells me to say. What if we lived our life that way? What if the only way, okay, well, arguments would be pretty boring. Man, you did me wrong. Wrong is in the eye of the beholder, brother. What I did to you, I did because I love you. Y'all ever met a friend that's got so filled with the Holy Spirit you can't even have a conversation with him? Man, it is hot out here today. Yeah, brother, but it ain't hot as hell. Praise God. <laughs> Hell's going to be a lot hotter. Man, I hope it rains. Yeah, but he'll never flood the earth. I've had some. Yeah, my, my wife's kind of that way. Baby, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. See if we got any fish and bread. If we do, call the kids. We'll only have six over here. I had food for six, but I fed 50. <laughs> Praise God. Listen. But when God, ooh. but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Come on, man, from birth. God knew that we were going to be right where we were going to be at the time of our birth. Or he had a plan anyway. Some of us would probably be different places if we'd made different decisions. 
I can tell you when my decision got made, my decision got made over there off of Jupiter Parkway when I was standing in between a motorcycle shop with a church in it on a Wednesday night having a Bible study and a liquor store that was going to close in five minutes. And God took me in that church instead of that liquor store. And it was fun. And as much as I didn't want to be loved on and hugged on, that was my moment on my road to Damascus. Because God said, no, dummy, that's the way. That is where you need to be. I really wanted that booze that was in there. Me and Jack Daniels was buddies. Me and Jack Daniels and a bottle of Jameson, shoot, me and my uncles, we'd hang out all night, man. I'm going to tell you something. It had nothing. Going in there and buying that bottle of whiskey out of that liquor store was going to be nowhere near what I felt like when I walked in that church. I think it's the best place in the world to have a church, but you've got to be open later than the liquor store. Put a church right beside a liquor store and be open the same hours that the liquor store is. If you're going to need, what do they call them guys that stand out in front of the topless clubs that call the guys over there? I forget. Yeah, barkers. If you're going to have a barker somewhere, you go put you a church standing next to a liquor store and put your most loudmouth deacon out front to be a barker. You don't want to go in there, pal. Come on over here. What if we got that zealous about it, man? Do we absolutely have to have the church right next door? Or can you go to the liquor store and tell ask somebody if they want to get higher than they've ever been before, put them in the car and drive them down here and pray for them? Come on, man. Best high I ever had was when the Holy Spirit laid me out in the middle of the floor. Come on, man. I've had other substances lay me out in the floor too, and I didn't get out of that floor feeling near as good as what I did when Jesus got a hold of me. And no hangover. Well, I'm not going to say I didn't have a hangover. My body was sore as everything else. I think that was weakness leaving the body. I did not consult. Ooh, uh, mm. I'm not sure I want to read this next one. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. So what did Paul do when God called upon him, Jesus spoke to him, and together they changed Saul's life into what Paul was going to do? Did he go run and ask everybody's permission to be a man of God? He went off by himself. He went off by himself to go let God download what he needed to be doing guys he'd never studied jesus christ a moment in his life everything that he ever did was turning him into one of the greatest pharisees the world had ever seen and everything jesus taught contradicted what the pharisees thought but now he's going to go out and he is fixing to do some of the greatest come on man you mean to tell me you have to go to school to go holler jesus is lord out in the street if that right there is the case, man, we'll get every one of you guys in the ordainment thing. Because if you think you got to be an ordained minister or a full-time preacher to go out and preach what God has done for you, then you don't have much of a testimony. Because I promise you this, if you hit ten grand on a scratch-off lottery ticket 10 minutes from now, everybody in Wiley is going to know it because you ain't going to shut up about it. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that the greatest gift a man has ever received is waiting for you right up here. 
all you have to do is stop. All you have to do is put God first. All you have to do is stop being what he never intended for you to be. All you have to do is accept the greatest gift ever given to anything breathing and accept eternal life in heaven, worshiping your God. Now, if you don't know that you know that you know that that's where you're heading, I'm not going to make you come down here on this floor and lay out and pray for 45 minutes. I'm going to tell you right now, you better get in front of somebody and tell them that you need some help finding out who God is. And if I happen to be that somebody, that's fine. If my wife happens to be that somebody, that's fine. If JR happens to be that somebody, that's fine. If anybody in this church happens to be that somebody, that's fine. Because every one of you has the same job that I do. I'm just louder than you. I have a speaker. That's the only reason I'm louder than you. I tell people all the time, I don't run this church. God runs this church. I just do the direction he tells me to run in it. Y'all run this church. Whatever God's people want in this church is whatever God's people will get in this church. You just have to accept being God on God's people. Because you can't be the world's people Monday through Friday and be God's people on Sunday. He won't take it. You know what he's going to ask you? Where was you on Wednesday? Where was you yesterday? Why do you smell like booze on Sunday? I don't know. Because the world told me that if it felt good, I could do it. The world told me they drank wine in the Bible. Drink all the wine you want to. I ain't, you ain't got to an answer to me for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't have a glass of wine. Jesus had a glass of wine. I'm saying don't go out there and get hammered every day of the week. Not only because it is against what God said, but guys, it ain't real healthy. I've actually heard that a glass of wine a day from, a, from my doctor would tell me that a glass of wine a day would actually help with some of your stomach issues and stuff. But here's the way I see it. If... My brother in the back back here is having a problem with alcoholism, and I happen to be walking around my house having my one glass of wine a day, and he knocks on my door and comes in my door because he wants to talk about, I'm having trouble with my drinking. Well, uh, I'm not supposed to be a stumbling block, so I don't. I know every person in this room has given their life to Christ because a lot of you have done it in front of me but I'm never going to stop. So I'm going to open the altars up right now. And if you want to accept Jesus into your life, please come forward. But then again, I am going to go to what Christ called me to do. I am to pray for the sick. I am to pray for the needy. I am for the pray for the broken. So I'm going to ask you right now. I'm not going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads because there's only, you guys are family. Half of you know what's going on in the other one's life anyway, and you know he's sitting over there knowing he needs to get up. I don't know why he won't get up and go up there. You know what? If you see him sitting there like that, and you know that God needs to be praying for him, instead of waiting on him to get up, why don't you move? Why don't you get out of the boat and go grab Christ's hand and walk him over where your brother is drowning or where your sister is having a hard time? And better than that, anybody in here who is married that hasn't prayed for their marriage today, 
Marriage is not easy. God didn't intend for it to be easy because you have to prove that you love something. God, by following what he says to do. Marriage, by knowing who God is and the rules that he set out for you to follow. So I'm going to ask you right now, whatever it is that you need, whether it's a prayer because you don't like where your neighbor planted their shrub, I want you to come up here, or I want you to lift your hand. And guys, I know some people in here get a little bit worried because we do have a camera in there. When you come up here to this front, that is between you and the rest of this church. It doesn't go out on those videos. The altar calls get edited out to a certain extent. I mean, we still want the, what's that? Yeah. So, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm not trying to count you. I don't care how many of you raise your hand. But what I want to know is if there is that one that needs God's touch that you at least raise your hand and be recognized so that the rest of us, or me, myself, since everybody else's eyes are closed, that I can hold you up in prayer. And I'm going to also open these altars up. If you've got something that you want to deal with on a personal level, this is the place to take care of it, folks. Because I don't know about you, but I truly feel God in the room tonight. Father God, we come to you right now. Humbly and wholeheartedly asking for a touch, Father. Father, we're asking for broken bones. We're asking for internal diseases, Father. Father, we're asking for sore muscles, for sore hearts, Father. For stressed out psyches, Father. We're asking for all of it to be renewed right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that cancer be kicked out of hospitals all over this country tonight, Father. That that stage four bone cancer patient tomorrow morning gets test results, Father, that say that there's nothing there, Father, because we know that that is how you show off, Father. Father, we ask that there be so many miracles placed on this earth the next couple of days, Father, that it's unexplainable, Father. That hospital wards, cancer wards, and, and, and burn wards, Father, and children's wards, Father, are emptied in hospitals all over this world, Father. That that abused women, Father, are freed from their captors all over the country, Father. That sex slaves are no longer needed, Father, because porn was wiped out, Father. That lust was wiped out of the earth, Father. That the sex trade has no more place in this world, Father, because the only thing that people are worried about getting worked up about, Father, is your touch on them, Father. Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And I ask that you go with us and guide us and protect us. And, Father, we will give you all the praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.